Welcome to Wild Tater Podcast. I'm Charles Hathaway. Today we're going to talk about probably the wild edible that I eat the most, at least right now, and that is lamb's quarters. But before we talk about lamb's quarters, I, I've got to bring up that the lamb's quarters family, okay, is there's there's kind of a complex web of of how this works but there are so many types of lamb's quarters like wild plants that are wonderful edible plants that taste just like spinach let's just put it that way okay they have slightly different shaped leaves and slightly different sizes and so forth but there's so many of these most of which are absolutely edible now there are some that are not as edible as others so you want to know what you're looking at you want to know what you got but my guess is if this looks acts and tastes like lamb's quarters it is something akin to lamb's quarters so things like goosefoot uh, and orich now orich is one you can actually buy in the nurseries in the uh, garden section annual garden section um, and it looks like goosefoot. It tastes like goosefoot. It pretty much is goosefoot um, or lamb's quarters, either one. They're pretty much the same thing, but of course they are different species, so they have slight differences. But your taste buds aren't going to be able to tell the difference. And as long as you're aware of the potential cautions or the potential dangers, I guess you could say, um, then you should be fine eating them. And you're going to want to positively identify exactly what you've got. But then after you know what you've got, you don't have to worry about it. Because they'll mix and match their different kinds. The uh, Chenopodium, or Chenopodium, Chenopodiaceae family is the Goosefoot family. However, it has changed, uh, what's the word, uh, the uh, the t scientific terminology, the, uh, what's that word for the um, classification? That's the word I'm looking for. The classification has changed so that Chenopodium, uh, Chenopodiaceae, is a uh, subfamily of the amaranth family, which is the spinach family, and the chard family, all of that. So now if you look on Wikipedia, which is much more update than a lot of the books that are out there, because a lot of these things have changed in the last 20 years, um, it will identify it as in the amaranth, amaranthaceae family, in the subfamily Chenopodiaceae. Okay, I'm going to have to have um, Latin Google pronounce that for us. Ready? Here we go. Chenopodiaceae. Okay, I'm not even going to try to to uh, say that back to you. You heard it. <laughs> but uh, that's the group that we're talking about. And almost everything in that is edible. And so if you become familiar with that, it's kind of like the mustard family that way. You don't want to eat just absolutely anything from the mustard family, but pretty much it's all edible. Okay. So knowing that it's pretty much all edible, and if you become familiar with this family, if bad, you know, you ended up in the forest lost and starving and so forth 
Um, this is one of the plants that I would risk eating, even if it was only mostly like the other ones in its family. There's there's things that once you get to know them, you can see this is one of those Chenopodia whatever plants. I think we're going to be okay eating this. I'm not giving that as a recommendation to eat it because I don't want to be held responsible if somebody is allergic and says, it's poisonous to me. Well, anything could be poisonous to anybody. Bananas, if you're allergic to bananas, then they're poisonous to you. So um, try them lightly. But once you get trying them, I think you'll like them. And here's what the uh, known hazards are on the uh, lamb's quarters. And this is coming from Plants for a Future website, pfaf.org. The leaves and seeds of all members of this genus are more or less edible. However, many of the species in this genus contain saponins, though usually in quantities too small to do any harm. Although toxic, saponins are poorly absorbed by the body and, pa and most pass straight through without any problem. They, also, they are also broken down to a large extent in the cooking process. Saponins are found in many foods, such as some beans. Saponins are much more toxic to some creatures, such as fish, and hunting tribes have traditionally put large quantities of them in streams, lakes, etc., in order to stupefy or kill the fish. The plants also contain some oxalic acid, which in large quantities can lock up some of the nutrients in the food. But these plants are very nutritious edibles in reasonable quantities. Cooking the plant will reduce it, its content of oxalic, oxalic acid. Uh, people with a tendency to rheumatism, arthritis, gout, kidney stones, or hyperacidity should take a special caution if including this plant in their diet since it can aggravate their condition. There is also a report that very large quantities of the leaves can cause photosensitivity in some people. Only the raw leaves can cause problems, and then only if large quantities are consumed. A further report says that if the plant is grown in soils that contain too much nitrates, then the plant can concentrate these substances into the leaves. Nitrates have been shown to cause many health problems, including stomach cancers and blue baby syndrome. In nitrogen-rich soils, the plant can also concentrate hydrogen cyanide. In small quantities, hydrogen cyanide has been shown to stimulate respiration and improve digestion. It is also claimed to be of benefit in the treatment of cancer. In excess, however, it can cause respiratory failure and even death. Now, I love when these things include things like, you know, and in worst case scenarios, it could kill you. You know, it makes it sound so sinister. But if you look up the, uh, <coughs> excuse me, the cautionary information about spinach and chard and other very healthy, very common uh, backyard garden greens, what you'll find is the same concerns. And, uh, and so this is not something to ignore, to be sure, but it's also something not to over-concern yourself with. I've been eating these things for years, and they're wonderful. Even last night I had a salad that was probably 90% lamb's quarters and only 10% uh, lettuce. So 
I mean, you know, I eat this stuff in not huge quantity because while I like salads, I don't eat it for every meal. I wish I could eat salads for every meal. I wish I had that uh, that kind of discipline, you know, don't we all? But uh, but this this plant is good for you. It tastes good. And it's one that when you eat it, you'll find, especially compared to other wild edibles, it's rather tasty. It has kind of a slight salty taste, not salty per se, but more savory than some of the other leaves that you'll eat out there, wild leaves. A lot of leaves, especially ones in the lettuce family, will have a bit of a bitterness to them. And these just don't have bitterness, not that I've tasted. Let me give a couple of other uh, similar plants that are not necessarily in the same genus, but they are in the same family and could be confused with them, but they are in that subfamily of Chenopodia, whatever. Okay. Um, we got Atriplex hortensis, which is orich or garden orich. There's also, let's see, red goosefoot, which is Chenopodium rubrum. That is in the same genus with goosefoot, and therefore could cross with goosefoot. We have red goosefoot in my yard, not much of it. I usually can't tell that I have it until the fall when the colors start to change and it turns this, uh, you know, really beautiful autumn red color. And, and that's when I know it's not lamb's quarters, but goosefoot. And goosefoot is delicious. I have something in my yard right now, which is some kind of either goosefoot or orange or lamb's quarters, which has grown up in my lettuce garden. I did not put it there, but I recognize it as this Chenopodia group. And it has these, I mean, they are the size of goose feet. They're almost as big as my hand, these big old leaves. And they're a little bit, they're almost like succulent. They're, they're kind of uh, crunchy, not crunchy like leaf crunchy, but uh, crunchy like cabbage kind of crunchy. Not, not as crunchy as cabbage, but you know what I'm saying. It's, it's got some crispness to it. It's, it's lovely and it's delicious. And it's the kind of thing that I suspect was brought by either pioneers or, or you know, cattle farmers and so forth um, on accident with their, you know, uh, uh, straw and all that they bring in. Anyway, point is, it's delicious. And so I highly recommend this wild edible. Okay, I'm going to read some more. This is also called fat hen. Okay, is another name you'll hear for it. Uh, let's see if I can find, yeah, it looks like those are the main ones. Lamb quarters, fat hen. Um, also, again, red goosefoot, close relative. Oh, and before we go too far from the relatives, if you're familiar with quinoa, uh, quinoa is called Chenopodium quinoa. This one is called Chenopodium album. They're so closely related that if you have them side by side, you're going to have some half, you know, half lamb's quarters, half uh, quinoa. And if you look up quinoa plant, that's what lamb's quarters looks like. They look identical. In fact, I've tried growing quinoa and I don't know whether I'm growing quinoa or not because it looks just like lamb's quarters. The seeds grow just like lamb's quarters. They, uh, they, everything tastes just like lamb's quarters. 
and I'm, I've been dying to collect the seed one of these years and try to prepare it like quinoa. The only thing is that the store, they have such robust quinoa that it comes out as these nice little, uh, little, you know, um, mustard seed size uh, beads that are, you know, just great for, you know, cooking with rice and so forth. And, and uh, lamb's quarters, or if you grow uh, quinoa at home, probably as well, it grows such fiddly small leaves that you kind of don't know where the flowers of the, you know, where the bloom starts and where the, uh, where the, the seed itself starts. It, it kind of reminds me when it's a, this big bunch of seed, it reminds me very much of, of a small version of um, cauliflower. You know, if you look at cauliflower, where does one flower start and the next one, you know, where does one end and the other one start? It's it's all just kind of this mush. And that's what it kind of looks like with this. The point being, uh, quinoa is a close relative to orange, which makes me think this is something that we really ought to cultivate. We really ought to find ways to use it more um, in society because it grows so prevalently and easily tastes wonderful, etc. But again, be aware of those, uh, those concerns because if you do have, you know, kidney stones or other such things, they do build up um, uh, certain uh, quantities of oxalic acid, which, like I said, that, you know, sodas, soda spinach and so forth. So, um, you know, don't, don't look don't completely throw out the cautions and don't completely, you know, freak out because of the cautions either. Just be aware of these things. It's like if your doctor says, okay, you need to cut back on wheat, you should probably cut back on wheat. You know, it's that same kind of thing as I understand it. Okay, summary is irregular or sprawling form. Lovely summary. <laughs> Physical characteristics. Chenopodium album lamb's quarters, is an annual growing to 0.9 meters or 3 feet by 2 point, or 0.2 meters, um, being 8 inches. That sounds funny to me because all the ones I've seen are much, they, they, they're about 3 feet tall, but they go 2 feet out. So I don't, maybe, maybe I'm looking at one of the um, different varieties in my yard. Um, but it, like I said, it's all kind of in the same food level. Anyway, it is not frost tender. It is in flower from July to October, and the seeds ripen from August to October. The species is her hermaphrodite, has both male and female organs, and is pollinated by wind. So you have one lamb's quarters, it will grow seed for many lamb's quarters. Suitable for light, medium, and heavy soils, that is sandy, loamy, and clay soils. Suitable pH, acid, neutral, and basic, or alkaline soils, and can grow in very acid and very alkaline soils. It cannot grow in the shade. It prefers moist soil. Now, from my own experience I've seen, you water these things and they give you big juicy leaves. You don't water these things and they will still grow, but they'll be small kind of light spindly, but they will still be there and they will still spread seed and all that stuff. 
It's interesting that it says it cannot grow in shade. Some of mine is not heavily shaded, but partially shaded. So I assume what they mean is it can't grow in full shade. Okay, it's also um, known, its uh, Latin name, uh, another Latin name for it, has been Chenopodium reticulatum, reticulatum. The habitats are cultivated beds. Now, I should say too, if you have a cultivated bed, you know, a garden or whatever, it's likely to pop up in there on its own. Uh, if you can identify it, just start, you know, harvesting it, eating it, put it in salad. Best way to deal with weeds, if you can, is eat them, if if it's edible. Um, but I have seen it in many other places. It can grow even off the side of the highway and so forth, where they only mow occasionally. Um, however, I've noticed it more in livestock type areas and I think the reason for that is that I suspect it cultivated well amidst the crops that were grown for the livestock whatever that be so um, if somebody has cows for example and they have a bale of hay there are probably tons of lamb's quarter seeds mixed in there because in the cultivating of the soil where the hay was grown, there's lots of lamb's quarters growing, the seed falls back in the ground or just gets plowed up with the other stuff. Lamb's quarters is fine for livestock to eat, so it's not a problem having it mixed in a little bit. And, uh, and so where there is um, uh, livestock feed, where there is uh, straw and hay um, for animals, you can easily find lamb's quarters there. Uh, and that is where it's shown up in my yard. Um, my yard was once used for livestock before, long before we were ever here. And because of that, when we got here, there's like these thick patches of lamb's quarters growing in these areas where there had been a little feed area for animals. So keep an eye out for that. And if you find, if you want it in your yard, just go in the early fall, right around now, um, uh, up until, you know, it's no longer there, and just grab a top off of it, take it home and whack it. Now don't tell your county extension you're doing this because it may be considered a noxious weed in some areas. I wish they would, you know, I wish that things would grow like this more often. I mean, if, you know, you go to Oregon and they consider blackberry a noxious weed. I'm like, what? What? But they, uh, I've, you know, I think there's places that say the same thing about our, our attitude toward dandelions. So, you know, I don't want to say that food is in the eye of the beholder, it's more in the mouth of the eater, <laughs> but the one who eats it appreciates it. So anyway, okay, so edible uses, the flowers, leaves, and seed. Okay, the leaves can be eaten raw or cooked, a very acceptable spinach substitute. The taste is a little bland, this is from the PFAF site, but this can be improved by adding a few stronger flavored leaves or ranch dressing, I would add. 
One report says that when eaten with beans, the leaves will act as a car carminative to prevent wind and bloating. Wind and bloating? Wind and bloating? I don't know what that means. What is carminative? Let's just look that up real quick. Okay, this is brilliant. A carminative is, a, is chiefly a drug relieving flatulence. So a carminative is something that relieves flatulence, uh, reduces gases in your, in your stomach. So that makes great sense. And it's actually really nice to know because we like beans at my house. But uh, going back to the text, one report says when eaten with beans, the leaves will act as a carminative to prevent wind and bloating. <laughs> okay, that's where the wind comes from. Very useful to know. You know, side note, and I'm sorry if I get off track a lot, but this stuff is so cool to me. Um, I found out recently that cumin is also a carminative. And if you don't know what cumin is, if you've ever smelled just a, I don't know, go to the store and get your, you know, Taco Bell uh, taco seasoning packet. Open it up, smell it. That smell that you're smelling is mostly cumin. If you open a thing of cumin, you're like, this smells like Taco Bell taco seasoning. That's what it smells like. So if cumin, which I would consider burrito seasoning, is a carminative, and they're mixing it into the burritos and tacos with beans and, and uh, refried beans, whatever, I mean, that's brilliant. That's brilliant. There is something about the way that the ecosystem of the body works and the ecosystem in the earth works that they somehow, they just work together well. I, I don't fully understand this yet. If there are any of you health nuts out there, I would love to hear from you on this topic. But I have noticed, for example, if I'm eating a bottle of peanuts or a can of peanuts or something, if I eat corn chips with them, my body reacts really well with them. And it works and it's really, it, it fills me up. It feels, you know, that kind of healthy-ish feeling that you get after you've eaten something you should. It kind of feels like that, not to the extent of eating a salad or something, but it feels right to my body. And, uh, and I don't have gaseous problems. Whereas if I just eat peanuts when I'm super hungry, sometimes I'll get a little bit of indigestion or maybe, maybe a little bit of gas. Because again, that's a, a legume, which is, you know, bean family. And beans do what beans do. And, and if you have something with them... See, and the reason I say that with the corn and the beans, corn and beans eaten together seem to do good in the body. And corn and beans in the ground do really good as an ecosystem. I don't know if there's a connection there. I would love to find out. But um, beans provide nitrogen for the corn, which very much needs nitrogen. And the corn provides something for the beans to climb as well. So they're just like besties, okay, in the garden. They're just besties, corn and, and beans. And eaten together, they just agree with the body better. What is that? I don't know, but it's cool. 
it does make me think too, because I've also heard it said that anytime you find in the wild a poison or something toxic, the antidote for it is probably within 10 feet. Whatever kind of plant that would be, whatever kind of, you know, wood or fungus or something that that would be, it's usually found within 10 feet, which is intuitively known in the instincts of animals. So when they eat things that are toxic to them, they just immediately after eat the other thing that is the antidote. So they get the benefits of both without the uh, toxic results. It's not 100%, but it's more or less like that. And I think there's something of that going on here. When eaten together, healthy things become more healthy, is what I'm saying. Anyway, side note, but I think worth noting. So one report says, with eating with beans, leaves lack as a carminative to prevent wind and bloating. The leaves are best not eaten raw. See the notes above on toxicity. That's the oxalic acid thing. The leaves are generally very nutritious, but very large quantities can disturb the nervous system and cause gastric pain. The leaves contain about 3.9% protein, 0.26% fat, 8.93% carbohydrate, 3% ash. A zero moisture basis analysis is also available. Now I will say too, in the nutrition data website, I think it's like nutrition-data.org or something like that. Just look up nutrition facts. Uh, they have, you know, with all the other foods out there, they can give you. They will give you the breakdown on lamb's quarters because it is considered an edible food, um, even to the the uh, um, FDA. Okay, the uh, Food and Drug Administration. They consider it a food because it is. Now, of course, there's a lot of things they don't consider food as they, even though they are. But this is one that they do actually acknowledge as being a food. Anyway. Uh, a zero moisture ba basis analysis is also available. Edible seed, dried and ground into a meal and eaten raw or baked into bread. Now that seems like a good idea. Dry it. And, uh, I don't think it would be difficult at all to, to ground it down. I think you could probably do it with your fingers uh, once, it's, once it's dry. The seed can also be sprouted and added to salads. Now that sounds actually quite tasty. The seed is very fiddly to harvest and use and, and to use due to its small size. Although it is rather small, we have found the seed very easy to harvest, harvest and simple enough to utilize. The seed should be soaked in water overnight and thoroughly rinsed before being used in order to, to remove any saponins. So that's kind of cool. That's a way to remove the saponins, which are probably going to be fine in your body, but if you want to be sure, that, that'd be a way to do it. Soak it overnight. The seeds contain about 49% carbohydrate, 16% protein, 7% ash, 5.88% ash. Young inflorescences cooked, a tasty broccoli substitute. I think inflorescences. I'm just gonna look it up real quick. I'm pretty sure that's the little broccoli-like things um, that I was talking about. And uh, yeah, so Google says that inflorescence is the complete flower head of a plant, including the stems, stalks, 
bracts and flowers. Okay, moving on. It's got a composition section for this one. I don't usually, we don't usually get these. So we'll uh, share that. That's the uh, figures in grams or milligrams per 100 grams of food. Okay, the leaves in dry weight, 260 calories per 100 grams. Water, 0%. Protein, 24 grams. Fat, 5 grams. Carbohydrate, 45 grams. Uh, fiber, 15 grams. Ash, tw 28 grams. Minerals, calcium, 200 or 2,300 milligrams. Okay, that's the thing that it has an overabundance of, is calcium. And that's one of the reasons why they say, be careful if you've got kidney stones, gallstones, things like that. And as one who has had kidney stones prior to starting to eat, lamb's quarters, and I eat lamb's quarters all the time, I can say that if you're careful, it's fine. Okay, and then phosphorus, 500 milligrams, iron, 25 milligrams, magnesium, zero, sodium, zero, potassium, and zinc, both zero. Vitamin A, holy mackerel, okay, uh, 315,000, no, sorry, 31,000, Okay, let me start that over. Vitamin A, 31,583 milligrams. Thiamine, or B1, is 0.67 milligrams. Riboflavin, riboflavin, B2, is 1.5 milligrams. Niacin, 2.5 milligrams. B6, 0, and C, 0. Now, I would be interested to know what this means, I'm, I'm confused about what, how these vitamin uh, milligrams work because 31,500 milligrams of vitamin A, what does that mean exactly? I mean, that's, am I not understanding, but 31 grams of, of uh, vitamin A, what is vitamin A anyway? might be of interest to some of you. Okay, notes. Uh, the figures are the median of a range given in the report. So they probably did many reports, and this is what they found as the average. Okay, medicinal uses. And again, PFAF will not take, or can't take responsibility. Neither can wildtater.com for misuse of plants. Uh, Always seek advice from a professional before using a plant medicinally. Okay, lamb's quarters is not employed in herbal medicine, though it does have some gentle medicinal properties and is very nutritious and healthy addition to, to your diet. The leaves are enthelmintic, antiphlogistic, antirheumatic, mildly laxative, Odontalic. Okay, I'm going to let you look up what those words mean because I don't actually know. An infusion is taken, except for the uh, mildly laxative. I know what that means. <laughs> An infusion is taken in the treatment of rheumatism. The leaves are applied as a wash or poultice to bug bites, sunstroke, rheumat rheumatic joints, and swollen feet, whilst a decoction is used for 
carious teeth. Interesting. The seeds are chewed in the treatment of urinary problems and are considered useful for relieving discharge of semen through the urine. The juice of the stems is applied to freckles and sunburn. <laughs> That's interesting. I'm just trying to picture people juicing the stems of lamb's quarters to remove freckles. I just <laughs> the juice of the root is used in the treatment of bloody uh, dysentery. Of bloody dysentery. Food that comprises 25%, 25.5% of the powdered herb may suppress the o oestrus cycle. Oestrus cycle? O-E-S-T-R-U-S cycle. Okay. Uh, other uses. A green dye is obtained from the young shoots. The crushed fresh roots are a mild soap substitute. Cultivation details. An easily grown plant, succeeding in most soils but disliking shade. It prefers a moderately fertile soil, uh, tolerates a pH in the range about 4.5 to 8.3. That's a pretty wide range. In moderate amounts, this plant is a good companion for potatoes, corn, and curcubits. Curcubits, that's squash. Anyway. The plant responds directly to the magnesium content of the soil, so it can be used to indicate the presence of that element. That's interesting. So if you have a lot of lamb's quarters, there may be magnesium in your soil. Fat hen or lamb's quarters is occasionally cultivated as a food crop. There is at least one named variety called magenta, in reference to the color of its leaves. It is considered by some people to be the best tasting of all pot herbs, especially, or special features, North American native. So it, it's uh, native to North America. That's very interesting. It's cultivated as a food crop. One of the things you'll find with lamb's quarters or various similar plants is that sometimes they will have, and some sometimes this is a variety thing, and sometimes it's just, you know, I don't know if it's genetic, what causes it exactly, but it will have this, this magenta burst of color. It looks like neon purple growing out of, of the um, center of the leaf growth. Okay, so that as it extends out, you just see this, I mean, neon purple, and you can walk right up and, uh, and wipe this purple off, this powder, it's like a baby powder texture but it's neon purple. I wouldn't be surprised if there, if you could make a dye out of that. And if you could, it would be a pretty cool color. I would love to use it in a painting or something. <laughs> but uh, if you see that, it doesn't mean, it's not a disease, it's not a virus, it's just um, there with uh, many of these plants. And it looks really cool. Okay, propagation. Seed, sown spring in situ... I don't know what situ is. Anyway, so spring in situ. Most of the seed usually germinates within a few days of sowing. It is usually unnecessary to sow the seed since the plant is a common garden weed and usually self-sows freely in most soils. Now I will say too that my goosefoot, which you know, like I said, is a is very similar and same family. Um, I, I had an area that was eaten out by chickens. I mean, it was 
The ground was rock, pan, hard clay. I mean, you'd walk outside. It wasn't even dusty. It was it was like a dirt road minus the rocks, um, padded down, just too hard to do anything with. And uh, and when I decided to make a garden there, I just basically flipped the soil, and then planted my seeds. And it had been hard pan for at least a couple of years. And when I flipped the soil and watered my garden, um, lamb's quarters came up, or goosefoot, whichever it is. And uh, it's been the best goosefoot that I've ever had. It's it's big. It's juicy. It's, you know, at first I was tempted to pull it up thinking, well, you can grow in other places. I don't want you in my garden. But it tastes so good that I, you know, I just harvest it with the lettuce. It's fantastic. Okay. Under the final section, weed potential, um, there is a note that uh, this plant can be weedy or invasive. Cultivated in some regions, but elsewhere considered a weed. Extensively cultivated and consumed in northern India as a food crop. This, to me, is an example of the ludocracy, <laughs> the ludicrousness of our system as it is. You have this wonderful food growing in your yard, but it's not where you want it. So you think it's a feel like it's a weed and pull it up. Okay, I I kind of get that there's a place for everything and everything in its place sort of idea, but if you're trying to grow spinach and lettuce and chard in a garden together, and you get some lamb's quarters in there, don't weed it, eat it. There's just no reason to weed it. It's it's exactly what you're trying to get. You're trying to get delicious edible greens that are healthy. I mean, that's what you're getting. Now, if it's taking over, okay, then thin it out like you might your other vegetables. But uh, there's no reason to get rid of this stuff. And in fact, in my old yard, I didn't have much around. So I would collect it off of the side of roads that I'd find or be walking down the street and find some. And the seed, you know, I'd bring the seed home and whack it around my yard until some started to grow. Some people would, would want to kill me for that because they think of it as a uh, weedy invasive. I thought it was a delicious salad. So, I mean, anyway. So if you haven't uh, picked up on it, I love lamb's quarters as well as goosefoot and so forth. We may, depending on how long this... this uh, podcast lasts we may go through and and uh you know have goosefoot as a separate one and and uh um, quinoa as a separate one and so forth and you know we probably should have a separate one for quinoa just because uh, it's generally prepared differently you know it's cooked with like rice rather than uh eaten for the leaves though you could um but uh so I will be lumping some of these. Uh, right now I'm just lumping all these with lamb's quarters. There are others in this family which have slightly different flavors and so forth, uh, like pigweed and things like that. And we'll talk about those another time, so I'm not going to include those in this episode. But uh, yeah, give lamb's quarters a try. I think you'll like it. If you like greens at all, I think you'll like it. So. 
with that, thank you again, all of you, so much for listening.